Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wound Pickups. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are mega happy that you are listening along with us right now. Uh, we love our little show, and we hope you do too. If this is your first time, we are really excited to have you, have you with us. And if, if this is your hundred and whatever time, um, well, kick back. You know how this goes, and you should enjoy it. Uh, especially since we've got we've got our first three Pete. What? SNL, he gets a special blazer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a three timer. Yeah. yeah, Jeff is Jeff is our Alec Baldwin. Oh, man. Great. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, so we have Jeff Schroeder. I'm just going to just introduce him. Jeff Schroeder is joining us again from Smashing Pumpkins and Night Dreamer. Night Dreamer, which is a very exciting project that he's doing. I don't know if you call that... You, what do you what would you like to call that? Do you call that a project to other people? Is it a band? What what do you do? It's a band, yeah. Okay. We just it's just a band. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm from that generation to where I mean, I'm sure you know. There's maybe some new type, new newer type of terminology, but for me, it's still just it's just a it's band. It's a band. All right. Well, <laughs> it's not just a band. It's it's outstanding, and and I've I've been privy to see it live, and uh, it was great. So I'm very excited to talk to you about that. Tony, what, tell the people what we do on this show, will you? So, under normal circumstances, we like to talk about gear and the makers of, of the gear, specifically boutique gear. Yeah. That would be things like guitars and amplifiers and effects pedals and pedal boards and accessories and all the good stuff. And 101s once in a while, we get to learn about things. Yes. We do learn. We learn and learn. We, we, we're we due for another one of those. I've had a couple uh, couple suggestions and a couple things that I've been wanting to uh, broach, subjects that I want to broach, but uh, well, the three of us <laughs> will have to discuss that, what we want to come up next. Um, and for today, we've got somebody who is deep, deep, deep in the music industry in, uh, in several ways, and... Uh, very excited to hear f- basically where you're at w- with uh, this is going to be gear focused it is it, I promise it is we're going to learn a lot about it um, and, but we're going to go at it by way of his uh, of Jeff's diverse needs for gear <laughs> musically so how about that little setup wow is that do you like that is that okay it Jeff sounds insane. Sounds- all right yeah it's great it's all right great. it's great um <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, we got a couple of announcements real quick. We need rude. to thank Rode. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> we need to thank Rude for the Rodecaster Pro, this awesome machine in front of us, making all of this delightfulness happen. And uh, for the Procaster mics, which just keep going, and uh, mm. we're mighty, mighty thankful that uh, Rode has been so, has been so supportive of our show. Uh, if you are thinking about starting your own podcast, or you just maybe uh, you know. You just like to record yourself, like to hear yourself, a posterity or something. You can say anything in these things, and they still work, <laughs> and they sound better than you just saying them. That's they should have. They should make a T-shirt, and that's what that's what uh, Road should sell. There you go. You can say anything into these things, and they'll still work. 
Words of wisdom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I'm gonna think. I'm gonna ponder that for a few moments. Yes, <laughs> we'll so, try it out. Yeah. Uh, we also, I wanted to bring up something, and uh, Jeff, you, I'd love to hear for you to weigh in on this too. Um, we got a question from one of our Patreon supporters, and this is from Jonathan Schwartz. He said, uh, "Question: I mostly play Fender guitars with Cluzon tuners." Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of putting locking tuners on my Mustang. <clears throat> okay. Cluzon makes a set of F CBS style tuners, Fender CBS style tuners, that should be a direct replacement. Does mm-hmm. anyone know if the extra mass with locking tuners will improve sustain, mm-hmm. even if just a little bit? Tony, mm-hmm. I don't. you probably don't have anything to say about this. But no. <laughs> go no. ahead. Oh, share. Don't do it. Stop while you're ahead. Well, okay, so there's a couple of schools of thought. Um, I subscribe to the school of thought that the lighter weight, lower mass tuner works better on most guitars. Um, if you have, you know, back in the you know 70s and the 80s, everybody would, you know, if they had any kind of tuning problem, they automatically assumed it was the tuner and they slapped on, you know, Grovers and Schallers and, you know, brass nuts and, and all the stuff that, you know, allegedly increased sustain. Um, but in my experience, I don't think that it really, I mean, it certainly changes the tone. I don't know that it increases sustain. Um, I uh, I think he was talking about the the Cluzon uh, F F tuners that like they were supposed to replicate what uh, Fender used in the right in the seventies the sixties right. and the seventies and I don't know if those are direct replacement. Um, well, that that I'm not a hundred percent sure of. Yeah, uh, Cluzon, uh, who is is owned by WD Music, um, also. Uh, I think they have high mass direct replacement that the, the uh, you might have to open up the the shaft holes a little bit uh, to make them fit okay, but that would that would be something that would have to be done with the CBS you know fender tuners anyhow because mm. uh, there's a little they're a little bit bigger around uh, through as the, for the hole that goes through the headstock and so if, and if, if for I, whoever doesn't know what a Cluzon style tuner is uh, they're the ones on the back that look kind of antique they're very it's almost like a a, a tin like a a, a, a tin um molded back like a rectangle or, yeah like a yeah. like a rectangle yeah. they, they just like they, a rectangular box very got some, got some stripes on it yeah there's either um, single line or double line yeah so i mean cluzons of course i think were one of the original tuning machine companies and the design has changed very little over the years. Now they've made improvements, and uh, there are some, you know, upgrades available. But I don't know that he's going to get that much difference until he gets to something like a higher mass tuner, like a, you know, a Grover or a Schaller. Goto. Uh, Go- well, Goto makes versions of all of that stuff. Yeah. They, Goto also makes versions of of uh, Cluzon tuners too. So, um. Well, when, when he asked me that, um, I, I did a little bit of research, and from everything I could find, it was basically, no, it doesn't change your sustain at all. But 
I did. We did talk about if you, when you do up the nice thing about upgrading to a tuner to a maybe a more precision based tuner, a higher ratio tuner, and we talked about the the ratio on tuning. So when you go to a higher ratio tuner, uh, if you see one that says like eighteen to one versus like a ten or twelve to one, that's eighteen turns to move the post around one time. The more turns you have the more precise tuning you can get. So if you're constantly, if you've got a guitar, you're trying, you can never seem to peg the G, right? (laughs) It's just like on this side or this side or this side or this side. If you upgrade your tuners, you might be able to hit that. Fair to say? The high ratio tuning machines are more precise. However, that also means that you're going to have to turn the tuner when you're restringing the guitar you know, two twice as many times to get it into that area. So, yes. Um, me personally, not a fan of locking tuners. Not necessarily a fan of putting you know uh, sealed machines on a on a on a especially on a vintage Fender. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't see a real advantage. Um, yeah, tonally or otherwise, <laughs> Jeff. Can you weigh in on this at all? Do you have any opinions um, on locking tuners? I would, on new guitars that I have um, that don't have like a locking nut or anything like that, I don't mind locking tuners just because it makes string changes much like 10 times faster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't really notice any kind of tonal difference. And many, the like I've, probably most of them with the gotos they seem you know they're pretty low profile these days i mean i think in the early days it looked really awful mm-hmm. um and so it's kind of a bum even though no one could see it like as just plain you'd be like oh those those locking tuners don't look too cool i would never really put it like on any of my jazz masters or anything like that i prefer just the old school fender tuners and i've never really had if you have a, a good uh luthier or whatever set up your guitar i've never really had any problems um, like I said, on new guitars, I tend that I have, like if Yamaha builds me something or customizes something, we usually just at a convenience sake, put locking tuners. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was ever, any reason was ever because of increased sustain. And I would agree that for tone up there, I think, like, I think as you guys said, the biggest issue is, is going to be the nut mm-hmm. and the material of the nut really makes things sound different you know now how that sounds we usually do like kind of graph tech i think is that what the you know type of thing just because Mm of for things that i'm getting made that i'm using live like tuning stability is is kind of key you know um i you know so i tend to do you know we used to use those heads kind of whatever that type of stuff but on acoustics and stuff um it would be bone I guess, you know, are some type of synthetic material that replicates that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 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 Those cool. are, that's, that's definitely, I mean, um, I like a lot of the graph tech things, especially on guitars that have trims. Um, yes. Which I, most of my ads yeah, tend to have. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's got a, a kind of a built in lubrication so the, the string can move freely in there. So yeah. Well, but I would say question. too, and then a huge, I mean, and this is something you can go 10 layers deep about, I think we do is, is the, how the nut is cut, mm. like for each straight and for the right gauge. And all, I mean, that has a lot to, I mean, uh, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Too true. 
too true. Yeah. So. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, locking tuners for CBS. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I've yeah. never. I mean, I've on my, like, you know, he says a Mustang, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Those guitars, you know, in general, the Jaguar, Jazzmaster, and, you know, Mustang can be kind of plinky sounding. You know, they tend, it's just, I think it's kind of part of the, the charm and the design. Thing. They're not, you know, you're not, it's not going to be like, it's not going to ring out like a Les Paul, you know, yeah. or even a Strat. Cause I think the Strat bridge is, sonically much different than those bridges you know on the mustang um the mustang's kind of got a weird bridge too you know it's kind of different than the jazz master and jaguar but i tend i mean when i when my i've never really liked the mustang too much because it it just never i don't know i i, I could never b- kind of bond with him so i was strange as a as a big fender offset person i never went down that road i could i just i'd try them a bunch and my friend even let me borrow one for one i just just couldn't couldn't mm-hmm. bond with it so, yeah but i get it it is like trying to get you know you would want a little bit maybe a little bit more sustained but i i think it's something about the design of the guitar myself yeah well yeah not Mustangs. enough meat on the bone you know yeah Mustangs yeah. have a short scale, 24 inch. The bodies are uh, almost a quarter inch thinner than a typical Strat or a Tele. So, you know, they were designed as a student guitar. And, yeah. you know, they're still, you know, fun guitars to play. But, yeah, if you're looking for a, a beefy, meaty sound, uh, you That's better look it. elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, that was a great question. See, I, I like questions that open up to a lot of other kinds of things. Um, so, anyways, cool. Well, let's uh, let's find out what's going on in our music world this week, gentlemen. Uh, if we have, uh, we're gonna have Tony kick it off, and then we'll jump over to Jeff. Okay. So this week, I am learning lots about uh, search engine optimization, otherwise known as SEOs, uh, for my website. Um, I have a, a good friend who just got uh, uh, certified, I guess. Uh, and a couple of different things, and she's going to give me a hand with some of the uh, the uh, you know the SEOs for my website. So we're trying a couple of different things. We're going to put some new blogs and things out together, but uh, it's it's really kind of fascinating, you know. And then people that that delve into like Google Analytics and things like that, I mean. It's it's very intriguing, uh, and and to see where some of the traffic is coming and all that sort of thing. I mean, I I think you could get lost in the weeds there for weeks on end just trying to to, to figure those things out. Mm-hmm. But um, but it is it's it's really fascinating stuff, and uh, and I'm kind of excited because you know based on a couple of you know the searches, uh, I show up as number one for the most part, but. Uh, you know, I'm falling behind a third or fourth place on a couple of other categories, so we're going yeah. to try to fix that. Good. Which one? Which one? The most interesting man in the world? Are you number? You're number one. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Now, now that the uh, who what was it? Uh, Dosecki's. Uh, now that he's retired. <laughs> you know, I have a, a I have a um, an experience where I I tried to do that too. I wanted to buy the Google. Because uh, when I started doing the T-top bobbins and doing the T-top pickups, I really wanted to get it out there. And uh, I had a listing on eBay. 
Um, I have to, I have to say that because I went through the thing and I signed up and it's been a while, so I don't remember exactly how I did it all, but I found out that I was not going to beat out eBay. But the good thing was the the first thing that showed up was my pickups on eBay. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't have to do anything. eBay did it for me. Nice. So it's, yeah. That's so cool. I, uh, I lucked out on that. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble. Awesome. Hey, uh, <laughs> Jeff, what's going on in music, your music world? Um, you know, this week I have been uh, the biggest kind of changes. I finally, and we'll kind of get more into this later. So, you know, I updated my um, on my Line 6 Helix software to the latest firmware. They just had a kind of a big jump uh 2.9 and so um i kind of use it <clears throat> obviously on the hardware units but also um they call it helix native which is the plug-in version that you can use with your daws and so um they've added a few new pedals and amps and stuff so i've been kind of delving into that and um that required an upgrade to of the of the editing software. Um, so, you know, th that's the thing is it's always like a blessing and a curse updating that stuff because it's, you kind of, you know, with the digital stuff, it's like, it's finally you wrap your head around how to use it. And then they're like, Oh, we got this new update. And, mm -hmm. you know, you want the three new amps and the five new pedals. And then you're just like, okay, but now I got to like learn how to program it again. Cause it's always like slightly different, but um, yeah, it's fun. So that's what I've been that was a lot of this week, wrapping my head around that. Awesome. Yeah. We've had a lot of talk about those, a uh, couple of those machines on the last few podcasts. It's a uh, very, very tempting stuff. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared, how about yourself? So I've been um, getting ready for this, our first practice together for 25 years. So I'm getting all these chords and finding out I have all these chords and mic chords and whatever chords that I forgot I had. And it's really nice to find out that you still have things or you forgot about something and it's like, oh, I have this or whatever. Um, so that's one thing. But on the pickup side, there's a customer that sent me a, a pickup and it's from an Epiphone lap steel. Oh. And it's a really, really weird kind of coil, and it, it's it's a ribbon coil, and I know that's not really going to illustrate anything for anybody, but it's it's really, really weird, and it reads really low, and the guy's like, hey, listen, this thing's really weak, I don't like it, da-da-da-da-da, so I got lucky, and I bought some weird plastic base coils and I was able to actually replace this coil with a base coil. So I thought that was really interesting. Oh, that's interesting. With a base part. So I'm going to fix an old 40s Epiphone lat steel with a a uh, a base part. Neato. So, yeah. All right. That's about it. Super duper. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> All right. So, How about you, Todd? Thank you. <laughs> uh, so this week um, has been uh, very, uh, very busy on many, many fronts uh, on all kinds of guitar stuff for me. But uh, one thing that I, I... I saw all the countdown stuff. That, that's yes, very exciting. Yes. Well, by the time people hear this, the album will, be, will have been released. But um, 
yes, it, it's very exciting, and it was it's taken an immense amount of time to do to set everything up. But the thing that I'm focusing on uh, was when I went out to Georgia to see my folks. I visited Nick Greer. Uh, that was, I guess, maybe last year. I love that dude. Yeah. And uh, hung out with him. And then we walked right, like basically right next door to his shop is uh, Baxendale's shop. And we, we've had him on the show, uh, Baxendale Guitars. And Nick w- picked up one of the guitars over there and was playing it. And it just sounded amazing. And I said, w- you know, that's a, that, I think it was like an old K or something. And I wasn't expecting this to hear that sound. And he was telling me, he's like, this, you know, I really love these strings. I'm, well, what strings are they? Well, now I've got my two acoustics sitting here, and it's time for a restring. So I gave him a holler. I said, uh, hey, Nick Greer, tell me what those strings were that you were playing. They are uh, Kurt Mangan Monell strings. Huh? And I was like, yep. what's uh, Monell? Did a little bit of research into that. Manel guitar set strings were made originally made by uh, these German string makers, Pyramid, and they've been mm-hmm. making uh, that string for 150 years. And they yes, describe yes, yeah. Monel strings as bridging the gap between pure nickel and nickel-plated steel strings. I w- it just sounded awesome. It sounded like just a big body, beautiful, bright guitar and so i said i want to sound like nick greer when he plays a guitar so that's <laughs> what i'm gonna do so, so is did they talk did he ever uh talk of any big price difference between they're actually and, not that expensive at all they're they're uh, like 13 maybe 13 bucks a set yeah i'm also a dealer by the way oh they're cheaper than 13 dollars a set <laughs> don't let tony talk he knows yeah. what he's doing um no kurt's a great guy um he used to work for Ernie Ball, uh-huh. and uh, he uh, left the company, bought a bunch of, of uh, winders. He's one of the only string makers that actually winds their own strings. You know, a lot of the Martin strings and a lot of other strings are actually wound down in Mexico or other places. Uh, mm-hmm. He's Yeah, I've, I've been dealing with, with Kurt now for, gosh, 15 years, maybe longer. Uh, but, yeah, definitely... Uh, I think I've probably got some. Are, those, are you talking about the coated strings? No, I don't want the coated ones. And you Nick, want the, yeah, yeah, because he said, "Well, you know, what do you plan?" I said, "I think I got some like nano webs on here. You know, it's been a long time." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, coated. Yeah, well, those those are the coated ones, and so I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do coated ones this time." So there. Okay. So there. Well, world. I've got I've, I've got I've got sets of both. I think for acoustic, but if not, I can just order them up. And yeah, that'd be cool. We'll, um, we'll make it so. Just let me know the gauges and yeah, all that stuff. Because then I'll I'll sound so much better when I play. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I. I it, it, playing acoustic guitar for me is very humbling. Playing any guitar is humbling. So, but especially acoustic. Um, but if I'm going to play, I figure, well, why not sound as close to Nick as I as I could? Because he he plays a pretty dang good guitar. 
I don't know. Listening to your uh, your promos, I thought you sounded pretty damn good myself. Well, thank you, sir. It's all accidental. That was um, John playing. <laughs> yeah, I hired Nick. I hired Nick to do it. <laughs> I got to cut that part out. Um, so, uh, how about some of this? One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Okay, Jeff Schroeder of all kinds of fame. Uh, you were actually our first four on the floor. I don't know if you know that or not, but you wow, were. yeah, I yeah. didn't, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I didn't. Now, I, I, now that you remind me, I, I remember that it was like this is a yes. new, a new feature. Yeah. He's secretly looking up on his wall <laughs> and seeing the picture of of the printout of our webpage. <laughs> That he has framed. <laughs> uh, so, but for but for this one, this is because he's already done that twice. Um, we're gonna do the fantasy four <clears throat> on the floor. Ooh, it's new. All right. So with that, like it. give it to us. Yeah. So these are all things that I do not have. You know that I would, and you know I really had to think about it because. After a while, you know, you start accumulating so many things, and then you start. I started feeling guilty. I'm like, well, I have all these pedals, and 80% of them don't get used even in a calendar year, maybe even more than that. You know what I mean? You end up using the stuff that you just use all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of have curbed a lot of that because it's just. You know, I, I just I realize that I don't need a lot of a bunch of pedals that I don't use. But <clears throat> recently, there have been a few things that have come out that um, that are new that I'm like that have piqued my interest. And then there's a few things that are kind of old that I always that I kind of still wish I had. So I kind of went half and half. Awesome. So number one on my list would be this. Uh, you know, JHS just came with their Legends of Fuzz line. Mm-hmm. which I think there's a big, there's like a Russian Big Muff, uh, uh, Dallas Arbiter Fuzz Face, a Tone Bender, and a Super Fuzz. And in particular, um, I would uh, really um, want to check out the Tone Bender. It's called the Bender, and then the one's called the Supreme, which is the Super Fuzz. So somewhere down the line, um, I have to contact my friends over at JHS and see about getting a couple of those. And yeah, I think what's really cool is that, um, you know, they've spent a lot of time, you know, hunting down like kind of the ultimate version of those pedals and then tried to make these creations that are kind of replicating like a certain era of those pedals. And then, they're like super affordable mm-hmm. in general. I mean, I think that their the list price is around 150 bucks. Yeah. And then I think the first couple of weeks, like through dealers, they were giving them like an extra 10, 15% off. So they're coming out, you know, out of the box, like really um, affordable and then giving people access to these great pedals, which is rad because any of those pedals, would be now in the current market ridiculously overpriced for a fuzz pedal. Oh yeah. You know, especially, you know, the fuzz faces, tone benders and super fuzzes. And, um, you know, and I've had a chance, you know, Billy's got like a big, he's got them all, you know, vintage ones. And, you know, you know, those pedals, if they're not maintained, sometimes they're not always that great. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is, is amazing. And they're, you know, yeah, they're all very like, oh, different because not. all the, uh, uh, you know, 
different parts and different yeah you know. how they deteriorate is completely different yeah so uh yeah so that's number one on my list um the jhs legends of fuzz line so it's and then number two is i saw um and i've had a few of of their pedals cooper effects i don't know if have you ever had any yeah, that guy Cooper's on your been on. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say he's probably been, but I said that he just released the arcades. Yeah, pedal, which is a cool little thing that you can put in basically a cartridge with that has a different type of you know effect algorithm type of thing. So it could be this pedal could be many different things, and I think he's got a, quite a few um, cartridges lined up already, or that are made. And so that's definitely something I want to. Um, that looks a lot of, like just a great idea, you know, an innovative design and fun and smart. And yeah, it's, that looks, that looks really cool. It's kind of, uh, you know, for anybody that remembers, uh, Atari or even uh, earlier Nintendo stuff, you know, you had a stack of cartridges and you had to plug them in and, and then yeah, well, you, you had know. to blow into them and then barely put them in. And, <laughs> and, you know. Totally. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, you know. I yeah. know. So yeah, it was very uh, clever. So, yeah. Very yeah, fun. that's and it in it you know you re, I mean because it's not a, I saw like it's not a terribly uh, um, cheap pedal. It's in fact it's a you know it's a little bit pricey considering you know for a guitar, but considering all the different things it can do, I think it's kind of value over time. And um, you know when you get bored, you just buy a new cartridge and you know. Well, there's there a go. collectability factor there too. I mean, it's yeah, not necessarily yeah, your, yeah. Your, your, uh, barroom gig kind of kind of uh you know throw it in the back of the car kind of thing but yeah that's true you probably want to be a little bit more careful with it make some type of kind of plastic cover or something yeah. that goes over the top plexiglass well, cover over the top i mean i appreciate when builders are making things that that you kind of have two schools of thought it's like all right build something that everybody is going to want and everybody's going to be able to use no matter what it's going to work it's going to be awesome and then you have people who are like this is just crazy and fun and it'll probably never see the stage for anybody but it's so cool <laughs> yeah it's and that yeah i bet people use this though yeah i can see people who do more like the you know ambient looping um solo guitar kind of thing really getting yeah. a lot of use out of something like that yeah so, cool um cool uh number three is i've always wanted a uh real echoplex ep3 the solid state one um i did for a short while i had a full tone i had the tube tape echo and I had that for a while. And then when the solid state one came out, I rushed down to um, Chicago Music Exchange because they were one of the first dealers to get one. And I got one and uh, I got, and I had to re, basically I went through two of them and neither one of them. And I hate to say this worked correctly. Um, and they realized on that first initial run, they had a, there was a part issue that they had. Um, so many of those of the first 20 or 30, um, didn't work very well. Hmm. And so that was a bummer. Um, but like when it kind of did work and like just plugging into it and plugging into an it, it was amazing. Like it was like, it, 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 it was, 
that amazing thing that it does to your sound. And, um, you know, really, you know, really, really cool. And so I would always, I can see why guys have used them, um, in the past, just even if they're not using the delay just to run through, because it really does something kind of magical and it's nowhere near the same as what the little pedals do that claim they do it. Right. You know, it, right. it's, 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 it's nothing doesn't, it, it's not even close. Um, but that being said, I guess supposedly the Catlin bread, the big version of the uh, of their um, the epoch bell epic, yeah, yeah, is is I've talked to a few people that they say it's it's spot on, and so I haven't had a chance to try it yet um, because after that kind of experience in the past, I was like, uh, it's just I just need to kind of get off of that idea because it's 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 too hard to maintain. Yeah. you know anyway and the tapes and even at even a fully fine it's 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 like a lot of work and so i decided you know i think i'm better off spending my that's the kind of thing you know that could keep me up at night <laughs> when you when you're a guitar player you're like oh i need to get more tapes and you know are the tapes going bad and so um but that is in my fantasy picks i really would like to have one of those like the it the, would be nice. the proper old school ones yeah, yeah, yeah. They just look so cool too, right? Yeah. I'm with you on that. I would like to just try it out for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, just, just to see. I mean, they sound. Like. It sounds great. Now so you're making cool. me want one. Yeah, whenever super I, 3D and just the feel of it and the energy coming off of it, the delays. It's it's really cool, and the tonal thing is, it's it's really magical. Yeah, Wherever, you better I get look two at, of them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly well that's you know what I mean? well i think you know in like when in the 80s and stuff when guys like eric johnson came out and they were obviously using it, and he didn't even really use it for the delay he just used it just for the preamp um because it, it you know i think you could pick pick them up fairly cheap because once digital delays came out nobody wanted to deal with the hassle of that stuff yeah um and you could buy three or four of them as like, well, I got two that work and then I got parts and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think, but it's now a niche it, thing. it is, it is. And it's like I said, I think now I have to really explore, um, some of these newer things that are out there to see if, you know, I'm sure that they do it really well. I think people, there's kind of not a lot of territory left uncovered in terms of guitar stuff you know yeah. i mean people are kind of figuring out how to how to do everything so. see when i look at yeah. that thing it reminds me of of uh, a movie called eye of the needle with donald sutherland and he was a german you he was a german u-boat spy and and he he was on the co he was on the dover cliffs with this young where this farmer family and he had this little box and i remember him opening this box and i was fascinated because it looks just like that it might even be one of those i mean let's just face it <laughs> that's probably <laughs> he, what they use and he gets yeah. in and he goes uh you know that's all i remember and i was like every, whenever i see that that's the first thing i think of anyways <laughs> that's cool <laughs> yeah all right number three well, that's, that was three. That number was three, four. So we're on number four now. <laughs> By three, the he means number four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> in kind of on the complete opposite end of that same spectrum, 
um, and this is not really a pedal, and neither is the Echoplex, you know, um, but they kind of have pseudo pedal versions. I really would, in my fantasy, fantasy pick like an Eventide H3000 because um, those things sound really, really beautiful. Um, and then do something uh, that's just the original full, big, huge rack unit. Um, even though they have put some of the similar type of algorithms, like in the H9s and stuff, the and I've talked to the people at Eventide about it, and they said, well, it's just kind of the AD converters and stuff that are in the biggie that are just really beautiful, kind of high-end sounding things. Um, but the H3000 just is a, there's a, just some uh, absolutely amazing, gorgeous sounds in there. So um, some days I think about like, oh, you know, because they're not, terribly expensive anymore mm. like used you know what i mean that kind of racket but it's still pricey it's not like a couple hundred bucks it's still like oh like 1200 bucks 1500 bucks mm-hmm. you know for a working h3000 and you start going like wow because apparently like even their plug-in versions that they are making um at eventide that they still don't have all the algorithms in in it that the actual hardware units had so uh but that's a that's a cool i don't know if you've ever had the chance to play through one but if you ever yeah. do it's it, it'll you'll be like oh, oh my gosh like it's it's an experience too now if, i feel like you need to go to that closet full of pedals and start pushing some out to get that <laughs> that's true that's true you know but then it's you know i don't know you know, it's like, <laughs> well, yeah. that's, that's fun. I love this. This is great. Like, yeah. Just that was fun. That actually was fun. Yeah. Are you saying the other ones weren't? <laughs> no, no, but it was fun to kind of just go like, this is something that I, you know, that I yeah. can kind of fantasize you've got, about. Yeah. You've got me thinking and, about the Echoplex now. That's going to be <laughs> just Jared, you actually gnawing at my brain. Because you like all that big old funky stuff. I know I have a I have a bunch of that stuff. I know. The problem is it just sits after I play with it for an hour and it just it goes to Jared's graveyard of pedals. <laughs> exactly. That's I mean my graveyard's getting pretty big. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let's transition into what I uh, anticipate being a really awesome and informative interview. So uh, we've got Jeff Schroeder of Smashing Pumpkins fame, as well as his new band Night Dreamer. Um, and Jeff, do you, you want to, can you throw out any other things that you are currently highly involved in to supplement that? Uh, that's about it. I mean, that, that keeps me busy. I don't really, I don't really like to, to spread myself too thin. I mean, I, I feel like it's, um, it's, you know, some people, they, they release tons and tons of stuff all over the place. And I think that at some point in my life I think that I'd kind of want to do that but I'm still at a stage where I feel like okay I just want to kind of focus on a couple things and then really put all my best effort into doing that um, and try to make the best kind of records in that way and then um, kind of in the twilight of my musical career I think that's when it's time to just go really wide and and (laughs) and do like wide and esoteric but there for now, go. I think I'm just trying to keep it still kind of, kind of focused. 
I'm like, because I feel like, you know, it's really, (laughs) (laughs) Tony, yeah, I feel like it's, 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 as you know, as you know, Todd, from starting a band, you know, and getting people, there's information overload. So it's just hard to get attention for people to be like, oh, that's right. You got a new record out. Like, because I saw, I, you know, people probably see something on it, especially if, if they're at home more because of the the quarantine and whatnot you know you just think like how many images a day is someone looking at yeah yeah exactly you know every every 10 seconds people scrolling through so for them to remember what you're up to what you're doing is you have to hit them over the head with a hammer like hey remember this remember this we're still around we have a new record out well and what's 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 weird is that actually causes people to i've i've you know i wonder if that causes people to actually retain less you know i feel like for me it does yeah the reason i'm bringing up those two bands is that you know you've shared a lot about what it takes for you to uh set up your rig for the smashing pumpkins touring the world massive stages massive crowds massive amounts of technology uh and and you are are heavily involved in the effects and the creation of the sounds that you want and that you've gotten out of the smashing pumpkins shifting over to the night dreamer uh which is you and your vocalist you have a a, a completely different sound yeah yeah that also comes with a whole bunch of different stuff so i was wondering as you were setting this up were you looking for a sound did you already have it how did you get it can you talk about that a little bit um yeah i it's an interesting question actually and it's really poignant because it's really gets into the creative process and and i think especially in kind of the age we live in where you there are so many possibilities it's it's can be very liberating but also very um intimidating because it's the choices are just pretty limitless you know it's not i mean when i started a band 25 years ago i had two guitars a beat up suitcase full of pedals and you know a a 60s fender amp and that was my sound whatever i whatever you know the rap pedal and a couple delay pedals and (laughs) i mean and my jazz master and that was that was my sound and you had to kind of create it wasn't you know i couldn't go like well what kind of band do i want to start or whatever i was sound like and but because of technology now and the way we were able to work it's and what i have access to technology wise you it's more like well what do i want to do and um when mindy and i first started to talk about doing something it was fairly loose in terms of like well let's just try to write some songs and um get them together and so i started thinking okay uh what would sound cool to me and so i knew i wanted to do i was like wow i if i i kind of want to play like a i don't want to have too much big power recording with 
big distorted fuzz guitars like because that's what the pumpkins does so i don't want to get i i feel like when if you're in a band and you're going to do something different uh, you just don't want to do like the lesser version of what you're already doing so i felt like i should you know i should really think about playing guitar in a way that's kind of fundamentally a different approach and so i thought you know i'd really like to play more kind of clean guitar if i'm gonna play clean like during the song i want to play the more like clean arpeggiated delayed guitar and so i definitely went about like thinking of like that's where i'm gonna start and then distortion will be more just for lines and solos but not a lot of power chords or anything like that no big you know, bar chords or anything like that. And so on that EP, you, there's almost little of that. Like if I'm playing distortion, it's a line or, or, you know, it's like kind of arpeggiated things, but never like too many big chords. Um, and so then I would, I went about choosing, um, like, well, okay, what kind of amp would I want to use? And so I kind of more started with like a JC 120 type of sound with the delay and chorus. And then I ended up, either using that or like a Fender Deluxe type, but you know, it's all digital. So it's just kind of, but I didn't, because I have, you know, using something like Helix or something, I, even though I have access, I think you have to kind of still, it's like going to the closet, your pedal closet and going like, okay, I'm going to use these few elements and try to start from there. And then if you need to get something else, you can go grab it, but you just don't want to be looking at everything because yeah. I think you have to, at some point you have to kind of make some decisions and, you know, so we, so I started there and, um, well, can, can I, can I break in just real quick? I think, sure, it, sure, I think sure. it's worth mentioning. It's literally you and Mindy, the singer there. You don't have, yeah. there's no drums. There's no bass player. There's no, you know, gospel plot choir or anything behind James. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's very, very sparse, and that's kind of it's kind of the exciting thing about it. When I well, it's a, you know because we are an electronic band, basically. You know, yeah. so everything is you know we, but it didn't start that way. That's the thing is that's a, you know uh, you know we, uh, um, and so I guess I'll tell a little bit more of the story. So we we started having a, a working on the songs and then recording them. And then we recorded them in a more traditional format with regular, actually a drummer and regular bass. And um, we did a couple of songs that way and, and it sounded cool, but it just sounded like kind of like another kind of post-punk mm-hmm. kind of new wavy kind of band. And, and that's cool. But, you know, I think, you know, Mindy's, you know, a little bit, you know, younger than me, I won't, you know, I'll <laughs> shave off a few years of my own age, you know what I mean? But so she just, I could tell she just didn't, wasn't responding to it in, in the same way that I was. And, and then she was like, Hey, do you mind if I take these tracks and get, you know, I had to go back to Chicago and, and work on pumpkins. Can I play around with this stuff with uh, the engineer we're working with and try programming some beats and stuff. And we started playing around with the tracks more and then, kind of started developing what became our sound. And then once I started getting information back that way, I was like, well, okay, like even for my distortion sound, I want to do something more radical, something different. And so, um, cause we started adding more synths. And so to have the guitar sit against the synths in a way that 
felt exciting to me, I started choosing like a different set of sounds. And like my nowadays, like my main distortion sound for the band is I don't even use it's it's just two fuzz pedals, um, kind of like a weird doubler modulation thing that's in helix and yeah, like that's... delay and stuff and so it's like a really it almost sounds like more of a synth you yeah. know and i have on my guitars i have the sustainiac too um which is kind of like a, a similar type of like an ebo effect but i can get infinite sustain and stuff so i can do all kinds of crazy things and and um yeah it so it 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 was kind of an evolution as, as the songs and the production style started taking shape. And so now that we kind of have a little bit of a template, it, things go much faster mm-hmm. because we know like, okay, like these are kind of, that's kind of the foundations of what yeah. our sound you is. You have a new uh, set yeah. of parameters that, that you can hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot more fun. And that's why I kind of like, instead of bouncing around it from project to project, it's fun to kind of sink your teeth into something because you know, you don't really get to the fun stuff until you kind of put in the work to really start developing like the band sound and yeah. stuff. And because um, then once you kind of have it, then it's like you can go off the template and come back, and it's 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 a lot of fun. Now, how about guitars? Are you uh, doing anything different here as opposed to Pumpkins? Yeah, yeah. I think when you saw me play, I hadn't gotten. Um, my new Yamaha yet, but I was playing that night a Reverend uh, Reese Gabrell's signature guitar, right, right. Um, because it had the Sustainiac, um, and that's a great guitar. Mm-hmm. That's a you know, and and because um, I had tried that, you know, Billy had the old Fernandez guitars that had the Sustainer, which is different than the Sustainiac, but mm-hmm. it's basically the, the same technology, um, but two different brands and. I couldn't wrap my head around it, but then uh, when we played in um, the Detroit area of um, wherever we played on the tour last summer with Noel Gallagher, the can from Reverend brought me the Reese guitar to check out. And I was like, okay, um, I got to get one of these. And Reeves had sent him one back because he didn't, for some reason, he didn't like the neck on it. So um, Ken was able to sell that one to me. and and it's a and once I had that combo, I was like, oh my god, this is this is rad. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when I was talking to Yamaha about building some new guitars, um, they built me a new Pacifica um, that has like a Floyd Rose and the Sustainiac and well, and it's um, hot paint too. I mean, like it's, well, it's, it's, it's technically it's orange or red, but it, yeah, it's a crazy looking guitar, yeah. but it's, it's an amazing, I mean, cause it's completely custom made. Like they actually had to go back and it's like based off a of body design from like the eighties or nineties mm-hmm. kind of, but then recon with new contours and stuff. And, um, it's got like, the top of the line Floyd Rose and stuff. And, um, the pickup is from the Duncan custom shot. It's like the Hunter, the George Lynch Hunter pickup. So I wanted something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the neck is essentially, it's very similar to uh, Ibanez gem, but it's got 24 for a stainless steel. Um, 
yeah, uh, it's got extra rods in the neck, so it's very, very stable. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great guitar. I have to say, it's a, it's a very, 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 very fine instrument. You know, um, early on when we had you on, we were talking about so some of your musical influences, and you know, I think we we've talked before about like early metal and early new wave, or like <laughs> new, late new wave, and. It was, you know, it's kind of cool to see you take something, you like, you took a little bit from both of those worlds, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, I can see a, a lot of the past in that, but it's a, it's a very new sound. And so, to me, that's really exciting. You're able to, to bring a guitar, just even the aesthetic of, of a guitar, if you saw that in the hands of just about anybody else, you go, I know exactly what you're going to do with it but you don't do that with it. And that's what's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so right before the, the the quarantine hit, we played a show in L.A., and my a friend of mine came to the show, and he'd never, I don't think he ever heard the band or anything. He just saw, like, hey, we're playing. He came out, and uh, then he wrote something. He said it was basically like if the, the guitar is a mix between Robin Guthrie of the Cocteau Twins and Steve Vai. And I feel like that's a pretty accurate description of kind of the, the kind of the world that I'm kind of negotiating within the aesthetics of the band. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, you know, that's, I, it felt good because I think he, that's exactly my kind of thinking to kind of incorporate that world into this world. Two things that you wouldn't normally think would go together that are kind of in some ways ideologically opposed. Um, well, when you but when you I, look about, uh, yeah. I mean, if you think about Steve, I you can say, okay, I can take the entire package of that, or I can take certain elements. You're not; it's not like you're taking all of Steve I and and you know and mashing it up with something else. You're you're pulling no, certain no, elements. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you had that, uh, you came out with the single "Another Life," and when I was listening to that, as soon as I came to the guitar solo, I expected like uh, this big soaring pumpkin-esque or, you know, Jeff kind of, oh, here he goes. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it was so simple. And I got so turned on by that. I was like, man, this right now, this is amazing. And I've shared it with freaking everybody. And, and I was <laughs> cool. specifically calling out. I'm like, listen to the solo, listen to the solo. Because it was like, it was almost like an anti-solo. But what we were able to, fo what a listener is able to focus on are those that that tone that you I, I hadn't heard that tone it was like how am i still able to hear a new tone this is fantastic and you know what's crazy is that solo that song went through i mean from the the demo to that version that's you know we ended up releasing like three or four different versions the solo is from my de from the demo never redid the solo it's like from like wow. the very like it's like from it's like the second take that i was just like oh i want to put a solo here and quickly dialed in a sound on my helix stomp which is like the little small one and it the whole time through recording it with drums drum machines redoing all the other guitars that actual so that sound never changed and recorded on a just you know, like it was literally like five minutes of in space and time. Just like, oh, I need to put something here and then just did it. I mean, it literally like the second take or something like that. Oh. But you're like, oh, that's cool. That's it. That's perfect. 
it, it, it really is. And there's, I think that there are a handful of things when, like, if you're driving or you're running or you're doing something, you're like, you know what? I need to hear this very specific thing right now. Like, sometimes I really need to hear, um, you know, Butler's voice from the psych first. I need to hear that. Oh, it yeah. It doesn't sound like anything else on the planet. And there are certain things, you know, you could say Lemmy or whomever that person is that you might need or, or that, you know, Look, I'm gonna admit the guitar solo from Soma. I'm, it's <laughs> it kills me every time, um, and this is one of those things. I'm like, I that it is a new sound that sometimes I want to hear just a just a a, a bunch of that in a in and just have that, and then say, cool, all right, that fulfilled a need that I was itching for. So I appreciate oh, cool. your work Thank on you, it. Yeah, it's excellent. And everybody, if you have not heard already, please check out. <laughs> night dreamer and um you've released a, a couple of different tracks uh on spotify and uh and elsewhere yeah so so jeff um i, I wanted to go back to the sustainiac and sustainer um mm-hmm. i think i guess most people know that it's essentially a a pickup that causes the strings to vibrate through via a circuit but um i was kind of curious as a player i mean how are how are you using it? And, and I mean, did you go through some Genesis of, you know, trying different things and, and, you know, making the string sustain a special way or using the circuitry a special way? Um, well, the reason that I sought it out was because on the EP, <clears throat> there's a song called heat waves and I did a bunch of Ebo guitars. Mm. <clears throat> and so when we started playing live, it was the thing of like, well, I have to go from the Evo then to play like a hot rocket lead. And so I would, it'd be like thing. okay, I got to like tr- put the Evo down on beat three and then set it and then switch, hit the, you know, the patch change on helix and then the pickup. And it was just like, ah, oh, like this is so clumsy. And, you know, I'd get it, pull it off like 50% of the time. And so I was like, ah, oh, I got to get, maybe I should seek out this, you know, a guitar with the sustainer mm-hmm. or the sustainiac. And, um, so that it was, came out of a more of a practical purpose. And then once I realized like what I could do with it, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then if you play it, like the way I do is I, I have like my basic sound is, is a, is two fuzz pedals run into each other, you know, uh, fuzz factory and then i don't know it's called the tima on the um helix which i think is maybe like a tim you know but that mm-hmm. overdrive pedal or something like that it's just those two things into each other so with that with the sustainiac and and then um the other effect i use is called the double take and it's supposed to mimic like you do with taking a mono track and doubling it as like a double but if you turn the takes you can add the amount of takes and then the slot factor if you turn stuff way up it's it's like a weird sounds like a weird chorus or something it's 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 a really unique sounding type of thing and um so i between the two fuzzes and that and then like delay and then with the sustain you can get all kinds of it's a very reactive type of of 
of experience to where you play something then you get something back from the effect and you're so it's like kind of playing in real time um, that's kind of like the uh, with, t- like the TC uh, mimic mimic doubler kind of thing. Or something. It is, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. The double take is is I think is very similar to that, and so it's it's very inspiring in that way. Is is, is as a player, um, you kind of it's 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 kind of more of a reactive type of thing, and I really enjoy that. Cool. So with the sustainer, or not the sustainer, the stain sustainiac. I'm gonna uh-huh. I'm gonna trip over that word. Have you experimented different uh, you know string gauges and and different kinds of string? Have you have you experimented with anything like that to maybe get the optimal sound? No, no, no. Because I mean, my sound is so jacked up. Like there's so much fuzz and stuff. <laughs> I don't think it would make much of a difference. <laughs> I go from I go for because because my guitar I'm using the Floyd's and and super jumbo frets like a, a metal guitar so i think I I, yeah. I I mean for years i was using tens for e natural but now i've even switched to nines because it's just it's really that's more of the sound mm. you know like you okay. know and i'm sure that you guys i don't know if you guys discussed this on the show you know um but you know like couple months ago rick beato did the whole we, we did we discussed it and and <laughs> i know and i actually I, I, to I, li- you know, I listened to you know i did listen to you that's why i thought i'm like i listened to that podcast yeah. actually i did listen and so that's what i thought i'm like well i think you guys saw it. and but i i i really realized i'm like oh like that's the sound i'm looking for mm-hmm. like that's a certain type of attack of the pick against the string and for that kind of metal guitar playing that i'm kind of that i like to pull certain things from mm-hmm. it's and just the and and it's not only that it's it's the way that you can vibrato the string and shake the string and, and bend and with the floyd it, it's kind of it took me a little while to get used to you know because i tend to have i used to have a a pretty over aggressive right hand as we tend to do in kind of alternative bands where it's like mm-hmm. you know you tend to hit too hard and knock guitars out of tune and stuff mm. um, because we're used to using down tuning and using thicker strings where you have a little more give but once i kind of got that um back in order um yeah I, I yeah so i haven't experimented with that you know i think what's really the 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 issue is the um What's really where I think the experimentation would come would be what type of bridge pickup you're using because as soon as you turn it on, that's the pickup that you hear. Even if you're on the neck pickup, if you're using your neck pickup, but you turn the sustainiac on, it the sound is coming from the bridge. So let, let's just clarify really quick. The sustainiac is an on it's on board on your guitar. Just if anybody's trying to figure this out, it's not a pedal. It's essentially yeah, no, it's, it's not, not a pedal. Yeah. It is the it is the neck pickup is the sustainiac. Yeah, I'll have to look into those. Yeah. It, it's cool. It's cool. It's it, it, it's 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 an you know because um, I told when I got the Reverend, you know, I'm semi friendly with Reeves from the Cure and. I said, "Hey, I got one of your reverends with the," and he said, "Be careful, it's an addiction." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean?" And, he, and he's like, "I only because he's got like three signature guitars, or I think now with Reverend." And he's like, "I only yeah. put it on the one model because it's like once you get into it, like you just want to use it all. You want to use it all the time." And I yeah. know what he means. He, he kind of becomes like a thing where you're like, "Hey, turn this on," because 
cool stuff just starts happening. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, get O'Brien from Radiohead's a big user of it. I think he uses on his guitar. It's the, it's the Fernandez sustainer. Mm -hmm. Um, with, but it's essentially the same. It's very similar. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes when you overdo something that's awesome, it makes that awesomeness less special. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, have you considered using a Gizmotron? Oh, you, Tony. I would love. I, you know, I I've <laughs> seen people use those. And I've never tried one, but that that's that's like some next level stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just madness. Yeah, looks well, cool. Looks cool. Yeah, so it's really cool. Jeff, one of the things that uh, one of the maybe the the last thing that I uh, would like to go down the path with you on here is um, I'm fascinated with the idea that. You travel the world, you play massive stages, you've got a guitar tech, you've got like, you know, a huge library of songs. At a certain point, that becomes like a, probably a bit autopilot to us, you know, when you're doing so many shows and you're using the same gear and it's, a, you know, exactly what's going on and you have all that at your, at your feet. As they call it, an controlled environment. Controlled environment. There you go. Now, <laughs> controlled environment. Now, when you're at home now, you've been spending a lot of time at home. And, and you also have another band that's, that requires completely different uh, gear. What is the transition like for when you're at home or, or at your own personal studio, wherever you do your playing? How different is it from, like, what does that look like? Uh, well, at home, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't plug into like a big, like hundred watt amp or anything, you know, I'm just using, you know, you're usually in a, you know, a room of, you know, working in on my computer recording and then practicing around that. So I either use like a, I have the Yamaha THR amps that I, if I'm just practicing, I'll use one of those or I have, um, I just bought a, the new ZT lunchbox reverb i have the one this one but you know i don't have you ever guys yeah. checked out those mm -hmm. those amps are awesome so cool you know what i mean and they sound especially with my arch tops they sound it's just such it's, it's great so i either use that but they take pedals really well so if i want to sit there and, and play with pedals and stuff i use the zt um and just because i mean even like i have like a like I, I have a few Fender Deluxes, but if you're in like a, a room that's like, you know, like not a huge, it's, it's so loud. I mean, it's just loud. You're just like, oh my gosh. Like it's like, and I've, my hearing's still really good. That's amazing. But, <laughs> but, it, but because as soon as I joined the Pumpkins, I, I've always wore earplugs. And then when we switched to in-ears, so I, so I've never played shows with them with no earplugs, but I used to, play like that all the time before and my ears will start ringing pretty quickly so i don't really love to be around a lot of loud volume yeah too much you know i try to keep it so i use small amps or to be honest i i use helix on the computer and and i'm playing like that most of the time and mm -hmm. so that's honestly really great because then the transition between now especially if we're working on new night dreamer material is I'm working, I'm literally recording the part. I save the preset and then I can bang it straight over to my hardware unit. Yeah. And it's like, there's no translation point anymore. It's exactly the same. It's amazing. And, and to me, that's the big paradigm shift and why it's, it's so 
useful for me to to do that and um that i can whatever go from like we're literally creating sounds to playing live and i don't have to spend the time to do it or um you know the the kind of technical support from their end is and from line six has been so good that like if i've been like hey i have to fly from here to here can you can i borrow a helix in new york at a gig i can just sit there and then i just hook it up to my laptop and and zoom on my presets in and it's set up and i can do all that kind of stuff so you know in this band like when we travel, we have actually added a third person to play some keyboards and run the computer because it was a little much for me to do everything. <laughs> yeah, I noticed um, you like, hang on, I got to I gotta set up my next Yeah, song. I got to just too much. <laughs> so now we have, you know, a third, which is great. And he's like really kind of better than me on like the computer and Pro Tools and our, uh, Ableton and all that kind of stuff. Um, but... Um, you know, we have to travel on our own. And, and so even just like, like, like pedal board, like having to have a pedal board and an amp would be actually too much. So now that I, you know, and the way we play, everything is in the box. We carry our own in-ear system, our own in-ear monitors, and we can show up anywhere and just play. Yeah. And it's, and it's rad. And it sounds rad because like we, we basically, all the front of house person only has to mix basically the backing tracks, my guitar, Mindy's vocals, and now the, the synth, you know, the extra synth stuff. So it's not a ton of elements, but it's, it's basically, it's pretty simple to do. And so it, it just always, you know, and then to us when we're playing, it's, it's like we can literally rehearse in a hotel room. Yeah. Because there's no sound other than our in-ears. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, for for a player, that's got to be pretty amazing. It's a little different if you're in the crowd, though. Uh, that that's a different experience altogether. Uh, especially sure, if sure. you're close, you know, the the visceral experience is a little is a little bit different. Um, yeah, yeah. You don't have that kind of sound, especially in the club coming off the stage. Yeah, I remember the first time that I really truly experienced that. I was at uh, a music venue at USC in Southern California, um, trying to remember the name of the hall, but it's basically this huge, long, narrow hall. And we were there to see Megadeth. I remember just like, you know, elbowing and clawing my way. I was like, gotta get up front, gotta get up front. And I got there and it was like, I could hear the strings on Dave's guitar. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? I do not like this. And so I just went all the way back again. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. It's you know, and that's why like if if we ever go on tour with Nitrum, you know, I have they have something called um Power Cab that yeah. Line 6 makes that's basically like it it can it can do many things, but one of the things that it does is it's like a full range kind of speaker cabinet. Mm -hmm. So you can have a you can have some sound on stage. Yeah. And um I think yeah, that's Third Eye Blind had that too. They had these smaller cabinets right in the front if you were in the front or second row. And it, it, it was nice because it, it didn't blow you away, but yet, you know, you could hear everything. Well now you know, like when we play with pumpkins because we don't have any cabinets or anything on stage either. So if someone, if you're like right up front, you're not getting any sound off the stage other yeah. than the drums and Billy's vocals. And so we have a ton of, 
those little small PA speakers that go, they, they, they put them across the front of the stage. Yeah. So people hear that. So because people in the front, once bands started doing that, people would be in the, you know, we used to play all the time, <laughs> you know, um, and even before, like people would be up in the very front and they, and they used to drive Billy nuts and they'd be like, we can't hear your voice before they started doing those small PA speakers yeah, at the front yeah. of the stage. Cause you play a big venue, the PA is like way up there. Yeah. People they'd be like, we can't hear you. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm not the sound man. <laughs> like they think like he's mixing. <laughs> yeah. I saw a video where he told the crowd, he's like, yeah, you don't want to get too close to us anyway. We're all sweaty. And <laughs> I mean, especially I nowadays, right yeah. now when he was nobody, but you know, it, it is a weird yeah. thing though, because that's, you know, when you are a fan and you know the song and you feel the song and you play it loud in your car and, and, uh, and then you go there and you want that you're going there specifically for that visceral experience and then you don't get it it is weird well so, and you know nowadays they have like the the db restrictions inside even arenas is really very very strict and it's not very loud yeah yeah uh, maybe which is good i mean it is good. in here <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I was thinking, you know, what's an interesting thing um, because on that shiny tour, but actually on both this last tour we did too, we all, you know, we had this Kevin, our sound man, you know, he, he likes to work for, because we use actually an analog board for front of house. And we, you know, made that decision because on the shiny tour, even though it was limiting in terms of inputs, you know, we would literally, you know, he kind of ran out of inputs, we felt like for a three hour plus show, analog is better on the ears mm. than digital. So, you know, three hours of loud guitar through digital can be kind of harsh. And yeah. so we specifically went the analog around night and people would always say, Oh, it sounded, it was so great. My, my ears never got tired. And, you know, and I think it was honestly because of the, the analog board. Interesting. I mean, and, 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 and he's an amazing, I mean, He's an amazing front of house mixer, but I think that regardless of of, of his skills, I think just the the analog signal makes it makes a difference. Yeah, I have to say that tour, the the show we went to, it it was one of the better sounding that I've heard out of the four or five other bands I've seen in the last five years. Sounds come a long way, and maybe that does have to do with that new DB restriction because I um, think that yeah and. PA technology, speaker technology yeah. has, has really gotten better. And you know what's so crazy is those speakers up there are, are noise canceling on the back because for for bands like for us, we would get basically you would get this wall of low end mm. that would come down off the speakers onto the stage. You get all kinds of weird phase cancellations and stuff. And, um, yeah. You know, it's crazy. You know, now on the side of those speakers, they're they're noise canceling. So the on stage, it's like we don't get any of it, and it's like it's super clean up there. And um, it's funny, like if you if I you know sometimes it sounds like I can pull my inners out. It, it's almost like you can't because we're in this like noise canceling zone. Yeah, like yeah. you can't hear anything coming out of the PA. It's you can only hear it bouncing <laughs> off the walls of the arena. It's really strange. 
Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. That's awesome. That's weird. Um, I, I'd like yeah. to experience that. I don't know, Jared. It's crazy. You, you know, well, I mean, I'm not asking zone. to. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying if you're up there in a noise canceling zone and all of a sudden you like, you know, let one go or something, we'd all know. Everyone would know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. I'm a little tall. Well, I'm I'm about Billy's height, right? Billy's what six five, six six. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. guys are about the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll you hear could the fill same in thing. sometime, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. People yeah. won't know. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well, um, Jeff, are you are you guys currently working on new stuff for either of those bands? Both, yeah. Uh, well, Pumpkins, we have a new album that's done in the can that's going to be coming out. Oh man. So, sometime this year i mean obviously with with the pandemic uh, you know we're just trying to figure out the best kind of possible scenario for that to happen then billy started working on even another new album that once is we're able to kind of get together we'll kind of work on that but he's kind of started getting the ball rolling on that um night dreamer we have um two new two brand new songs like mixed mastered ready to go um but and those were um, that we just finished, uh, but we're just kind of too. Also, I think we're happy with the way they came out, and um, I we just decided we're going to kind of delve into a, a bigger work. You know, at first we're like, oh, we'll just release a single or do an EP, and then. But I think we decided like with we have a bunch of songs kind of floating around. We're like, I think we have an album here. And so I think we want to, and since, in all honesty, since we can't play live or do anything that we feel like there's really no huge rush into putting it out. Right. You know, so even if we take another six months and just finish doing a record, we'd rather have a whole album. So I think, but yeah, but we we're way down that road. I mean, we have like, like five or six more songs that are in various stages of completion. That's so awesome. we're almost we're getting there yeah and it, and this stuff is um i think it's pretty different you know it's similar but like it's definitely like a kind of a, a progression you know um i think it, it, I, i'm kind of curious to see what <laughs> what the reaction is going to be yeah very cool well we appreciate you sharing all of that out i mean again here's another great example of um, and, and I am in no way is any kind of an advocate for line six or anything, but guys, we, you know, the last four podcasts, there've been some pretty compelling reasons to use either the, the stomp or the, uh, HX effects, or, you know, if you're feeling really ambitious, the, the helix or something like that, but, <laughs> you know, as we are at home and, you know, a big amp can really beat the crap out of your ears and if oh, you're yeah, looking yeah. to try to create or practice or just explore new sounds beyond whatever your favorite pedals are man th- these these are really great alternatives yeah the reason you know i another thing i'd like to kind of use that stuff is is i can get sounds that are uh, uh, to be honest like almost essentially identical to my big pumpkins live rig and Mm -hmm. so if i'm practicing something on studio monitors i get to really practice with with my sound and get used to like how i'm going to deal with all the 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 distortion the noise the streaming noise and i feel like that's such a such a key element of being able to rehearse and rehearse properly yeah 
Yeah. Because you know, sometimes if you're playing like kind of just a clean guitar, you think, oh, I got that passage down. Then you play with a bunch of distortion, you realize, oh my gosh, that's not how sloppy it sounds. Yeah. I get that all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we're going to transition from this super fun time into another super fun time. Jared? Yes, it is time for Would You Rather? All right, this week's Would You Rather? I don't think we've done one like quite like this one. It's going to be interesting, so buckle up, buttercups. So you're at an auction... And there's only two lots of gear to choose from. And you have to choose which lot of gear that you're you're going to buy. <laughs> you, you, you don't have a, a... I mean, that's that's just the way it is. The auctioneers put this gear in these certain lots. I'm just and reading that's it. it. There's I, no don't, I don't have any control over this. I'm just reading it. <laughs> that's, that's correct. So... You're at the auction. Is, is this a traditional auctioneer with the... Yeah, the guy's going, hey... Yeah, So, the first lot of gear, you will have a Fender Mustang, a Maestro Echoplex, the original one, the, the best one, and a 1970 Fender Showman Dual Reverb Amp. The second lot... You will have a Gibson Sonics, a Mutron, a Mutron, Mutron Biphase, <laughs> and a Marshall JCM 800. One or two. Can you do one more? Could do do that rundown just one more time, just so I can. No problem. Yeah. Uh, the lot one is a Fender Mustang, mm -hmm. the best Maestro Echoplex version you can get. The EP one. Yes. Tube if one, that's okay. the one you want, well, whichever's better. Okay. And a nineteen because it's it's got to be a tough decision. And a nineteen seventy <laughs> Fender Showman Dual Reverb. The second lot, a Gibson Sonics, you know the gray one, the whatever. The black. A biphase Marshall Jason, a biphase a Mutron biphase. Biphase, yeah. Right, the big one and the big giant old one, and uh, a Marshall JCM eight hundred. That is it. Uh, you know, I got to say, first out of the gate, I was like, blah, blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> I don't, I don't, this is tough. Okay. Uh, Tony Baloney, go for it. That, those are, those are both interesting lots, <laughs> to say the least. It's an auction. I don't know. Yeah, That's it a is great, an auction. This is a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Package one again is the, uh, the Fender Mustang, Mustang. The Echoplex. What and amp? Dual, dual Showman Reverb to 1970. <laughs> and if you want to spice it up, and it, it comes with the 215 JBLs. They used Beautiful. to call it the ear splitter. Yeah, that is, that is especially with the Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I do love a JCM 800. Um, <laughs> not crazy about the Sonics. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Wow. Ah, I am. I think just because there's an, an original Echoplex in it, I'm going to go with Package One. Yeah. Despite the fact that, yes, the Mustang is probably not going to be the best companion to a, a dual showman. It'll just amplify the Mustang. It, it, is well, that good? Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> you may good? not you may not be able to hear after playing for a couple of hours with it, but yeah, I think Correct I'm gonna go me package if I'm wrong. one. Didn't 
Kurt Cobain put that, he put a humbucker in a Mustang or something like that, didn't he? Well, yeah, there was a, there was a model called the Jagstang, which yeah. was his drawing that was a combination of a Jaguar and a Mustang. Um, I think he liked the, um, the Mustang tremolo as opposed to the Jaguar tremolo. Okay. And the body shapes are kind of the, an amalgamation of those two. But, yeah, so he had kind of a slanted, uh, slanted humbucker with a slanted... It's going uh, for the Van Halen sound. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yes. So I'm. I'm. St- I'm going with package one. Mm. I. Go ahead. Jared. I made this. Yeah, I made this tough on myself because. I think you, you make JCM, a lot of things I, tough. On <laughs> I have some of these items, and I really like them a lot. But because I don't have any of the things actually in lot one i'm i'm just gonna go for it i'll take the echoplex and the i've always wanted a a dual showman reverb because my old my dad had one um a long time ago so i just wanted to see what that was like but just because of those two reasons right there that i'm I'm just gonna have to go with one and say goodbye to the jcm 800 loud and painful come to come to mind Mm. you just turn the amp around and have it face the wall i don't know yeah go. put the speakers facing down well couldn't you right. turn you can turn it down and t- i mean on the echoplex doesn't you don't you have a volume on that i mean you could could i don't know if that would yeah i mean in theory much. but it's yeah i mean a dual showman is just is that is that the is that 100 watts or 200 watts i forget what it is it's, uh, it's a it's lot a of monster. watts it's more it's watts lots of watts jeff what are you it's doing ear bleeding oh uh, i definitely i had to look up the gibson sonics because i wasn't quite sure what it was um <laughs> and even even that being the case I, i'm definitely at this point I, i'd want them i'd go the marshall route yeah Ooh. Because I have I have similar things to the dual show. I mean, I have a well, I have a bandmaster, and you know, from that, you know, kind of, and, and and I've had basements from that era. You know, had the heads and stuff, and um, I've known people that have had the dual show. You're talking about the big. It's like a double one, yeah. though, right? Ooh, like, yeah, 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 definitely- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, um, I definitely if we go. I want. I'm, I'm going to be rocking the JCM 800. And the that's a good choice. <laughs> I'm, Jared, you know, you, you and Tony both know where I'm going with that. I personally yes. like a Sonics uh, because I just think they're cool looking. They're they're just cool looking, and I, I can. Those do look they look that. like they look like the guitar that Paul Stanley would break on stage, <laughs> like the fake ones at the end. Is that is that <laughs> that, that that's probably well, true? Like I, I, in the seventies, you know, I feel like that's what he would yeah. break, like at the end of you know like in a live one era yeah they're still i'm looking like they're still i mean wow they're very affordable they are still well that's because the the bodies have a wood core and then they're coated in plastic yes and it's a bolt on (laughs) the rest and it's a bolt on neck yeah yeah but whatever it's cool looking um but if you hey just real quick plug uh, you know rock and roll relics if uh if you like that look but want an actual set neck and one that does that is not covered in plastic. Then don't that make looks a good cooler, one then. then. Then go over and check one out over there. Um, yeah. I'm still going that. that. I'm still going with number two. I'm still going with number two. 
and I'll accidentally unplug the biface. Whatever. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a really cool pedal, man. No, that's, I know that's a cool it is. Thing. I know it is. I would like it's to play it. It's big, with that. though. It is big. Everything. Mine still has the old school two prong plug. Yes. Uh, Get electrocuted. Well, that thing was right. That was a super fun. <laughs> would you rather, Jared? Well done on that. That was good. That was good. That yeah. was good. Thank you. So we got to thank a few people. Of course, we have to do this. Do it. At this point of the show, Todd likes to invite me, in conjunction with the rest of the knobs, to thank a special group of people. These are our executive producers. Somebody out there, I'm sure, is driving down the road and saying, what's an executive producer? And more importantly, how do I become one? Uh, my friends, the answer is quite simple. You go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and you'll find a couple of different levels in which you can become a patron of this very podcast, The Guitar Knobs. Each level comes with its own bevy of prize packages, including things like barefoot buttons and picks and stickers and T-shirts and uh, flashlights. Occasionally. <laughs> flashlights. Yeah, occasional maybe. flashlight. You know, for things. Uh, occasional keychain. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Depending on what level you're, at, level you're at, boy, oh boy, you get loaded up. You do get loaded up. But the top of the heap would be at the executive producer level. That's right. In addition to all that great stuff that you'll love and cherish forever, and plus the warm feeling in your heart you get from becoming an executive producer, there's one more thing. Hey, Jerry Lewis, Jerry... get to the point. <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> 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 Jared, can you, you get help to have me? Your, yes, you get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to start with our newest executive producer, mm -hmm. Mr. Richard Kendall. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Hey. Uh, Thank you, Richard. Todd sent us uh, a, a copy of your uh, your email to him, and it's, it's a great story, and we look forward to Beautiful. talking to you more. Yeah. We'll probably share some at some point. We should share that. Yeah, just not right now. In addition to Richard, how about Steve Keys, Mark Garten, Adam Johnson, James Pennington, Matt Hart, James White, Brett Alexander, and Liam Martin from Bilgola Guitars. Justin Jones, Doug Gann, Tim Nowak, John Esterly, Chris Heidel, Brad Partridge, Tyler Bray, John Anglin, Anthony Lanthrop, Johnny Knowles, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Brian Robison, Ken Sayers, Michael Van Zandt, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Chris Kearney, John Daly, Martin Cliff, and Tom Brazen. But wait, don't stop. No, there's more. There's another level just slightly above the executive producer level, and that's our grand poobas. This fez-wearing group of fun supporters helps us out even more than executive producers, and we really appreciate it. So we'd like to thank Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Cody Lane, Cody Foster, Sean S. Yes. And Tommy Manasco. Right on. Thank you, everyone. Humongous props. You are such a help to our show, and we could not thank you enough. 
We're currently yep. working on uh, as we're getting back to normalcy in some way, shape, or form, uh, getting our st- studio possibly worked out. Um, so this is it's a great help for us. Thank you so much, Jeff Schroeder. Thank you so much for the time that you spent with us. Uh, it's always good to talk thank to you. you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm always always ready to be on the show. Awesome. Awesome. Please keep us uh, abreast of all of the new stuff that you have working on, and I'm super excited for new music coming from you and your band. Great. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out the entire Pumpkins Library and, uh, and also Night Dreamer. Go out and check that stuff out. Uh, Jared, where can people... Uh, find your stuff. Well, uh, go to brandonwompickups.com. You will find um, new-looking gear, old-looking, new pickups, <laughs> all sorts of things like that. <laughs> I, I know. I, every time I say it, I, I just trip over it, but that's okay. Do you make okay. pickups it's, that look like new? I do. Can you, do make, you make those old? new pickups look old? <laughs> I can do that. Okay. <laughs> so I do all sorts of fun stuff like that, and uh, I've got the new noiseless Jazzmaster pickups out now. Yummy. Um, they sound vintage, but there's no buzz. So I gotta got get it. I I have to get a set of those because you know I yeah, I know we need to end this, but that's I was I was like once this was over and I could actually use my guitar. <laughs> I, was, I, <laughs> I was gonna I, ask you if I could send you a set anyway. So yeah, awesome. I'll do I it. would I would know because um, you know years ago. Many, many years ago, I asked a company, um, a bigger, big pickup company, and they made me a set of stacked Jazzmaster, you know, hum cans, mm-hmm. and they were no. unusable, you yep. know, and so I kind of gave up on the idea, and so I'm super excited to. Yeah, these are yeah, not, you're, you're yeah, gonna these are not stacked. Yeah, they're different. Eric you got some different kind of mojo yes, or black magic yeah okay great yep uh, and they they fit right down in the you know the cavity anyway you don't have to dig out any wood or anything they just go right in maybe use just a, a just a bit less foam but you shouldn't have any trouble yeah so great great uh for those who are interested even in even more about this uh eric marrow uh who is also on our show at one point in time um uh, and do it he does a lot of demos out there he did a video about uh, jared's noiseless uh, pickups so uh check that out and you can kind of hear what they sound like yeah. did Tony, a great job on that tony yeah. baloney how about yourself let's just say you need a special pick guard Let's mm-hmm. just say, well, you really won't need to do it with the uh, with the Jazzmaster noiseless ones that Jared has. But if you're changing out pickups and you want to go something different, I can take care of you. Go over to PickGuardian.com, check out some of the things I have to offer there, including the new line of uh, the new Reverend guitar pickguards. Awesome, fantastic! Um, if you want to see some of the projects and things that we've been talking about. Uh, you can go over to my uh, Instagram account, which is PickGuardian and the number one. And if you don't see something that you want, shoot me an email, and I will get you some information and pricing and availability. And lots and lots of material options, all kinds of don't, really cool stuff. Don't forget, you can do Reverend stuff now, too. He just said yeah, that. I think I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for God. playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. I love hey, Jared, do you with... make pickups? Oh, boy. Uh, you, you should, can... you know, Jared, you should do some noiseless jazz master pickups. <laughs> yeah. That's you know what? I think I'm going to try to do that, and they're not going to be stacked. Perfect. <laughs> make, make them look I am really, so, I am so sorry about that, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> My you, bad. No problem. You can send me an email, Todd at theguitarnobs.com, or direct message me on Instagram at Guitar Knobs. We would love to hear from you, hear what you uh, are currently playing, uh, what you like about the show, maybe even what you don't like about the show. I'm sure there's something. Uh, send us your would-you-rathers, too, like like the one that Jared just gave us, which is awesome. Love to read that online on, on the air here. So, again, huge thank you to Jeff and everybody out there. Have a great guitar week. Take care of yourselves and subscribe! Yeah. Bye, everybody. Jared's wearing a diaper, so he he won't have to. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, keep muting. I think that was working out really nicely. Bleh. That's what. Uh, Why did I have to say anything? I don't know. I think we all can record this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to to blackmail each other in the future. <laughs> don't tell any secrets. Yes. I believe his diaper's full. <laughs> <laughs> It's squirting out the top. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'll be right back. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.